Welcome back, Mike Gornley. How have you been? Oh, man. A lot of changes. A lot of changes. Like the last time we had you on the show, <laughs> you were at St. Anthony of Padua. Yeah. And I think we're we're a jinx, I think. Yeah, I think Are so. <laughs> I think so. Because we had you on. Mm -hmm. We had Nate. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate Hoffman. And then we were in talks to have um, Josh Blakesley. <laughs> All three of you were employed yep. by St. Anthony of Padua. Nate left, Josh left, and then you left. Yeah. So we're going to kind of stay away from St. Anthony of Padua <laughs> for a while because they might not welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'll appreciate that. They'll appreciate that. So, um, of course, Josh came here to St. Faustina. Yeah. And then Nate, um, he rolled into the private sector. So private he, he has all this accounting CPA stuff. So yeah. he rolled out. That's what I figured. I yeah. figured. And then you, what have you been up to? Oh man. What haven't I been up to? <laughs> that's, that's the bigger question. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny because after I quit one day on my YouTube feed, the edited, uh, you know, one of the segments from our show came up on my feed and it said, why Michael Gormley will never leave parish <laughs> ministry. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, yeah. So uh, on uh, May eighth, the birthday of Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I uh, was my last day at Saint Anthony of Padua. Um, I tendered my resignation because my goal was to start working doing uh, men's ministry with that man as you. Paradisus Day is the parent organization, but most people know it's most prominent program, which is that man is you. Uh -huh. So, uh, basically what they do is they pay me uh, a decent salary so that then I can go out and travel the country, which I kind of already was doing. Uh huh. And, uh, it's to spread brand awareness and other things like that. Okay. I also, I mean, I attend their weekly meetings and their weekly rosaries that they do. Um, I'm very much a part of the staff. They call me the only part-time full-time staff member because <laughs> I'm never around. I'm never there. Everyone else in Houston is an on-site employee. Okay. And then they have a bunch of people who are remote employees. Okay. But I'm like in the middle. So, so you're the only hybrid one. Yeah. I'm like of. the worst of both worlds because I'm too far away <laughs> to be a local, but I'm too close to be remote. So like all the remote people fly in and they all stay in a hotel right around the corner. And uh -huh. I'm like, well, I'm going back home for my hour and a half commute. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow morning, bright and early. Like It's just crazy. So yeah. We have that man is you here at St. Faustina. Could you like explain it if somebody doesn't know what yeah. that man is you is? Yeah. That man is you is a men's ministry that focuses on weekly formation through video and small group mm -hmm. in order to help men realize the super abundance of God's love in their life. So one of the things that men, uh, especially men who are 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and older, um, they maybe suffered from a total lack of quality formation when yes. they were they were younger. Yeah, and so a lot of the men when they come through, this is their first time really actually hearing the faith, even though they might consider themselves lifelong Catholics. Uh -huh. They were never one never taught the faith, or two never taught the faith in the way that's practically relevant for their daily lives. Mm. Especially as married men, men who are fathers, men with jobs who are trying to be good Catholics. So the number one thing we get, regardless of how old or young they are, people say the same thing. I wish I knew this when I was younger. Yeah, because when I, before I heard about um, that man is you, I remember um, talking one of my one of my Acts brothers, and he was saying something like, "Hey, what do we have anything after Acts yeah. that we can, you know, for because." I loved being with the other guys and, you know, yeah. and he goes, do we have anything like that? And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I think we may have some meetings. And then next thing you know, that man is you. Yep. Yep. And that's fantastic. That man is you is an excellent compliment to people who have, uh, like, especially parishes who run 
institutional retreats like Axe or, you know, Curcio or something like that, mm-hmm. because it it's like the stepping off point. It's like, well, I'm not, I don't necessarily want or have the time to do another retreat, but this weekly thing at six o'clock in the morning, you know, uh, <laughs> before work, maybe I can fit into my schedule. So uh-huh. yeah, it becomes, it, it naturally kind of coincides and lines up with a lot of what things people are already doing. At parishes, you always know that they're doing something for the kids. Yep. Something for, you know, there's vacation Bible school. There's, you know, there's, um, there's life teen. There's everything for the young ones. Yeah. And then the women, a lot of times they take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. But then the men, I, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Men have the Knights of Columbus. Yes, they have the uh, Knights know, of Columbus. Socials yes. and service work, which is definitely needed. Oh, yes. Uh, they're building up, I think, a lot better, the formation components. But um, And we partner with Knights of Columbus, kind of like a mm. national level. I mean, in different ways. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, like the the biggest thing is like there's, there's nothing for men. There's rarely anything for men. Let me put it that way. Um, especially for men in formation. Like, I want to know my faith. Oh, you, yeah. You, I had an experience of God on this axe retreat. I need to know my faith. And it's like, well, here's <laughs> Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So for a lot of people, this, um, it scratches the itch, right? And yes. uh, it is it is really funny because it's like everything is for women and children, right? Everything yes. is for, at the parish level. Everything's yes. for women and children. There's mother's programs. They're all the Bible studies, even though it's not necessarily for women, they're almost entirely uh, visited by women. And we have to start realizing like men have abdicated our role and responsibility as catechists, as teachers, as core members, as volunteers. Yes. But, uh, but also like we need to be fed and men are not women and men do things differently. Differently. Yes. And, and during my axe retreat, one thing that really hit me and it's just a short phrase that hit me and really sat with me for a long time was spiritual leader of your household. Mm -hmm. I said, Oh my gosh! Yeah. I am not the spiritual leader of my household. Yeah, I am not, you know, pulling my weight here. Yeah, and then you know now we've got you know things like that man is you. Yep. Um, you know the the axe retreats and all that. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I would I think that is the most important hinge for everyone, and this is the part that like in my own life I, I don't know what it was like with you, but for me and my wife, like I went to Franciscan University. I have a solid theological background. I have strong community. I have a lot of friends where, you know, we, we support one another and encourage one another in our faith. Like I wasn't lacking in any of those regards. Yeah. I remember one day I was going, uh, my wife was going to go out of town for the first time overnight away from the little ones. And she gave me a two page list of things to do. Well, Kateri needs this and Cecilia needs that. No one needs this. And Thomas needs that. And I just looked at her and I took the list and I go, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I took it and I put it over here and she goes, what? And I looked at her and I go, I'm their father. I'm not going to do it your way, Uh huh. but I'm not, they're not going to die. Like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be totally fine. But I was like, I'm the father. And she said, at one moment, she was like, <gasps> and then she felt so much relief where she's like, right, right. I married this man. This man can do this. Yes. I don't need to think of him as uh-huh. a fifth child. And that's a thing that, uh, you know, talk, I could talk about that man as you all the time, <laughs> because the, this is the, the problem. In, in Catholic families, most men have bruised ribs every Sunday because their wives being like, did you listen? Are you paying attention? Are you listening to the homily? Right. And they get dragged everywhere. Like men need to own up to their faith, but they, they don't have things that resonate with them or they don't get, even give those good things a chance, like, like an axe retreat or whatever it might be. And so my thing for them is like, okay, then go do it. 
Um, like go build it. Go, you're you're a man. Go out and do something. Get three of your buddies. Go out and have a beer, and then talk about something. Do Exodus ninety. Do something that challenges yeah. you. It doesn't have to be a program, right? And I think we do tend to get locked into these programs. But of the programs that are out there, I mean, they're of men's ministries that are out there that are systematic, organic catechesis. That man is you hits the relevancy button a thousand fold. That's why I chose them, right? I went to them and said, oh. will you hire me? Yeah. Wow. It, it wasn't like they, they weren't asked. They were one day. I just, Jamie sent me a text like, Hey man, you mind if we get about your email address for a men's conference? We thought you'd be great for it. They uh -huh. were just doing that as friends. And I was like, actually, no, I don't mind. But also, are you hiring? And they're like, what? And then we had a, I had a two hour long conversation with Mark afterwards. And I was like, this is exactly like, like being a part of a group. And this is something funny about leaving the church and kind of why leaving the church was, is such an important thing to talk about. Um, leaving, let me rephrase that. Leaving the church. <laughs> no, for a second there, I was like, leaving the church. Whoopsie. <laughs> leaving parish full-time ministry. The reason why it's so important, uh, people need to understand that working for the parish is its own thing that needs to be discerned. Like there are people who are like, oh, I want to do youth ministry. So I'm going to go join a parish that'll pay me enough to be a youth minister. And it's like, uh -huh. uh, okay, you want to do youth ministry. That's something you need to discern. Yep. And you want to do it at a parish or at a non-parish thing or at a diocesan level or, or yeah. do something like net or something like pine Catholic work camp or pine Catholic summer camp. Um, th there's all these different things that you need to discern when saying, I want to work for the youth. I want to serve the youth. I want to bring the youth to Christ. So for me, uh, I, I had never thought of that. Like really mm -mm. to me, to serve the faith, to serve the gospel was to serve at a parish. And for most people, that's what they think. Yes. And because that's our experience. I mean, uh, Chris Safeday's laity, the, the document on the role of the laity, um, Pope John Paul says, you know, the, the parish church is the church at home in the neighborhoods of her sons and daughters. Mm. And I love that expression. Yeah. Like, so it makes sense that this is your touchstone. This is your point. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, it comes with its own hurdles. You have people who are there, who are there because they're doing a job, punching a clock and we're waiting to retire. Uh -huh. And they can create a whole bunch of disturbances along the way that, that interfere. Like, no, my main thing is for this, this church, not to grow, not to improve, not to be better, but just to not explode so that I can retire. Right. I uh -huh. mean, there are people who are hanging on for dear life to that <laughs> retirement, but then there are also people who are part of it. It's like, yeah, this will be a cool thing to do. I like my church. I like these people, blah, blah, blah. But to join a ministry like Paradisus Day where everyone from shipping to the, to the president, vice president, everyone from the phone callers to the guests that do the videos, they're all in a hundred percent alignment to the mission of the organization. And the mission of the organization is in 500 things where everyone has an opinion, right? It is that man is you. It is making men alive in Christ who are husbands and fathers. That's what it's about. And to be a part of that, I'm like, yes, Yes, please. And just walking in there, every time I go into the office, I'm like, because you walk in right in the, in the middle of the cubicles, right? Uh -huh. And they're all there and they stop it. They're like, hey, how you doing? And every one of them, I think, wow, you, you guys are like canonizable. Like, I don't even know why you let me be employed here. You're such good people. <laughs> so what exactly is your role there? Yeah. So my title is mission evangelist. Okay. So basically I said, listen, guys, I'm doing all this, uh, all these, uh, parish missions at churches that have that man as you. And usually I end up meeting with them sometimes, most of the time not, but usually I, sometimes I do a lot of times because they see me in the, that man as you videos, which I had no affiliation other than the videos that I, I get asked to do the mission. So I said, what if you just employed me and I went around and you'd pay me a tiny salary, like something that like 
you know, it won't break the bank for you, but also enables me enough, um, enough of a safety net to kind of go out on my own as uh-huh. it were. And I'll wear the, that man is you swag and I'll do all the stuff and I'll talk to people. Like if they don't have that man is you in their parish, I'll talk to them. So I'm a, a brand ambassador would be kind of like the secular term. Okay. Yeah. So I hit like, I'm at seek. I'm, I'm, I'm at the Ascension press booth, getting them people to download the Ascension press app. And I'm wearing my paradesis day swag. And half the guys who come in, they go paradesis. Hey, is that the, that man is you thing? And I, I mean, I had dozens of conversations with young men, campus age, who have heard of that man as you and never heard of it, who are looking for men's ministry. I'm like, why don't you start it up in your dorm? Oh, why don't you do yeah. this? Why don't you do that? So it's trying to build brand awareness, but also to like, if I go to a parish mission and there's a, that man as you group there, uh-huh. I almost always have something. So I've had breakfast with the men. I've gone to that, there, that man as you meeting, uh-huh. I've done talks for them and all this stuff. So, and, and invariably, they're the movers and shakers of the parish. The people who are kind of leading it. They're also doing 15 other things. They're also on acts. They're also, you know, doing all that stuff. And that's not the only thing you're doing too. No, Cause you did say, what am I not doing? Yeah. So you're also doing speaking uh, engagements, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is so part of that brand ambassador thing is I'm out on the road. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was in St. Louis. I did a high school, um, uh, talks at a high school. They do block scheduling. So I gave four, hour and 15 minute talks back to back, uh, for their freshmen through seniors in St. Louis. So I flew out in the evening, flew Uh back the next evening. I went straight from the school to the airport. Uh, I'm going to Overland Park, Kansas on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fly home Then I'm driving to NS. Like I'm doing a ton of stuff, but with the idea that I'm also working remotely. So Uh I get to be home and my family homeschools. So when I'm not traveling, I'm home Uh and on net, I'm actually at home more than I was when I was working 65 hours a week at St. Anthony's and then doing some travel and stuff on the side. Okay. So yeah. that it, it works out better for your family as well. It does. It does. I, I'm, I'm still not uh perfect. Like I don't have everything. It's not fluid yet. Uh-huh. So it's a lot of stops and starts. I'm not booking a year out like I was hoping to. Uh-huh. So it's still like, I'll say yes to a bunch of small stuff. And then all of a sudden a big thing will come up like uh-huh. a parish mission. And I'm like, well, I just ruined all of February. <laughs> you know, like I'm doing 500 things. So That's yeah. cool. So how can people book you on that? Yeah, so my website is lay evangelist, L-A-Y, evangelist.com, lay evangelist. Just uh-huh. go there, email me. There's a form on the page, and you just say, hey, I want to I wanna book you for something, and it'll send me a little contact form, and I'll email you. If you don't hear from me, that means uh, the spam filter. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I opened up my spam folder randomly one day, and there was like five miss, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, sweet Moses. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's my main thing. I mean, I'm on Twitter and stuff lay, at lay evangelist, but that's, I don't, I don't really do social media that well. So, so you're all over the United States, all over the United States. Do you do Canada as well? I or? do. I, I tell people I'm an international speaker because I've been to Canada <laughs> three times. Yeah. And I love Canada. I keep going back. I keep being invited back to the same places. Like, um, Halifax has my heart. I love Halifax. I've done a bunch of Steubenville youth conferences there, mm-hmm. and then they've asked me to come back and do different things. And uh, that's the home of uh, Divine Renovation, uh, which is like a parish reform movement. And okay. uh, so their their big church out there is St. Benedict's in Halifax. And so I've done stuff with them. I've done stuff with their diocese. I go to Toronto. I go to Vancouver. Uh, yeah. Uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I love Saskatoon. That's like the Texas of... Uh, in a way, it's like the Texas of Canada, so it's great out there. When people ask you about, you know, your your speaking engagements yeah. and all of that, like, what do you specialize in? 
when yeah. it comes to, to, you know, that speaking. <laughs> so this is the interesting thing. I don't, I don't specialize. And what I mean by that is I have spent the last 30 years of my life. Yes. Going back to the age of 12, I'm 42, um, 30 years of my life reading philosophy and theology every day. So I feel like if you were to say to me, Mike, we need you to give a topic, a talk on chastity for teenagers, theology, of the body for adults, uh, a parent class, then we need you to do a young adult thing on how to share your faith. And then we want you to do a, um, a thing on the liturgy for priests. These are all scenarios that is happening in the next two weeks. Uh, do in depth on priests. We need you to do charismatic proclamation. We need you to try like all that stuff. Like, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. I will do it. And if I don't know how to do it, I, I already own the books. I just probably haven't read them yet. I will read them, make notes, and I will give the talk because what I found is most people are actually searching for solid foundations. They're not looking for complex theology. Very few people are calling saying like, will you give me a three-part series on the uh, theological aesthetics of Hansers von Balthasar? Like no one's <laughs> saying that. What they're saying is we really need a good retreat on how to have a relationship with Christ or how to understand the Eucharist. Like the Eucharist revival is happening right now. Yes. And I have a lot of talks and a lot of different ways that I do about that. Um, and so it's just about matching needs. Yeah. Are you at a point where you pretty much have more or less a talk about most of the topics that uh, people ask <laughs> you about? Like, you, like, let me get through this file and then yeah. pull that one out and just adapt it accordingly. So and that's a, that's a complicated question because every speaker has a finite bandwidth when you're in the moment that uh -huh. you'll draw from a stock of stories, examples, scripture verses, catechism references, saint quotes, whatever it might be. Uh -huh. So I'm definitely that guy, but I hate canned talks. Mm. I hate them. Okay. I hate the idea. Now, it's not that I don't have things that are close to that, but like, you know, my buddy uh, Dave says, you could set your timer to my jokes. Like every single thing is the exact same over and over again. I don't like that because there, there's, so I love comedians. I love comedy. I love studying this stuff. I love, I think one day I'm going to try going for stand up. Me and my like brother, like stand up. No, no, no. I think that's a, a niche that, uh, that, uh, okay. So maybe, yeah, because the niche might make me feel more comfortable, but like, I, so I watch a lot of comedians. I was talking to my brother. We went to go see this guy, 6,000 people in Sugarland, And, uh, and I said, you know, like when, do you ever imagine yourself doing stand up? And he goes, no, like you, you watch more comedians than anyone I've ever heard of. Like you, he's a bachelor. That's all he does. Uh -huh. I was like, you don't. You don't, and he's like, no, I've never once thought I want to get up on stage and do that. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I think of that all the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> one of the things that I love about comedians is the demand on themselves to like, Hey, I, this is the material I did this year. I'm going to burn it. Start fresh yes. every year. Yeah. So there's something, uh, the one thing that kind of pulls me out of that though, is the market, right? So what I mean by the market is parishes want predictability. Mm. They want to say, Hey, can you come and give a talk on X, Y, or will you come and do your parish mission? So I say to them, I have a thing that I do and I'm happy to do that, but what do your people need? Right? So I call it missional continuity. And I find that very few people do it. They have, here's 12 talks, uh -huh. pick three out of the 12 and I'll do those. I, I, I hate that. So if you say, uh, Hey, we yeah. need to talk on the blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. I'll give you the talk on the blessed Virgin Mary. We need to talk in St. Joseph. Okay. I'll give you a talk in St. Joseph. Uh -huh. Never do I want people to like pull from a list and be like, you do these things. I'm like, no, what do your people need? You know, your people. Yeah. So that way it's exactly what they need and not yeah. just trying to crowbar your yeah. can talks into 
with, yeah. with their parish. I knew a guy who, uh, let me speak very vaguely, who was given a topic. He's a national speaker, gives the topic, does two minutes to the general purpose of the topic, and then 38 minutes, the thing that I've heard 50,000 you know, 50, times. <laughs> and you're like, to me, I get why a lot of people do it. Number one, if it ain't broke, don't you know, don't yeah. fix it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing is, like, personalities are different. I just think that would make my life boring. Mm. I really, really do. I would be so bored. But the funny thing is, I also, I only have a set. It's just me and my life. So I have a stock of stories that I use. So I'm sure if someone follow, I have 250, 350-ish talks for free online on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash amdgomer. Um, if you go there, 350 free talks. I, I'm sure if you listen to probably 30 of them, you'd be like, oh, I know the stories now. Like you pull, you'd see this. I like stuff. that. AMD. Yeah. So <laughs> AMDG is, you know, the, the great yeah. Catholic saying, right? Yes. And then Gomer's the nickname. So AMD Gomer. That was like my AOL instant messenger handle from 20 years ago. I'm I so remember, cool. I remember in high school, I went to a Catholic high school and you'd write that at the top, AMDG yep. at the top. Like no matter how empty your quiz sheet is, <laughs> at least you have something written there. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's JMJ like Fulton Sheen, but then I joined a household at Franciscan called AMDG. So then it was like JMJ at the top, AMDG at the bottom. Like there's now, so much Catholic graffiti. Right? Now you, you said SoundCloud and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that, that is that a, a collection of all of your talks? Yeah. Yeah. So SoundCloud is the wannabe YouTube of audio. It is not, and it never will be, but it wants to be. <laughs> so if you're looking for today's independent artists in rap uh, and uh, house music, techno, and Michael Gormley, that's where you go to find <laughs> you it. You fit right exactly. Right in there. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes my stuff will come up and, you know, it like generates like feeds and in, in, on the homepage and I'll find these rappers who will listen to something that I say and they'll like it. And then I'll be like, oh, what's this? Oh, a spam account. Oh, that's not a spam account. That's a guy, a rapper from Atlanta that likes me. And I'm like, hey, kind of like your stuff too. <laughs> Can we be friends? <laughs> Do you ever have any like Christian rappers who like your stuff? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. It's all the, it's all gangster stuff, man. That's how I roll. So yeah, so my talks, I try to, I try to change it up for my own sanity's sake. So if people want a sample of what you have, you, they can go to that SoundCloud. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then I understand you also have a podcast. Oh, man, I have so many podcasts. I have so many podcasts. So, many podcasts. Yeah. So I, the oldest podcast that I have coming up uh, almost on nine years now is Catching Foxes, 400 plus episodes. What uh, is that? Catching Foxes is a podcast for, well, it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, it's a show where me and my buddy from college, Luke, we talk about life and Catholicism, but we also talk about, we, we like to say the intersection of faith and culture, but we actually say the collision of faith and culture. Like sometimes we talk about the Marvel cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. We had two episodes back to back where we talked about YouTube and the crazy, like decline and shifts of things that are happening on YouTube. Um, we'll often talk about music for entire episodes or a series of episodes, and then we'll talk about our faith. We'll talk about sacraments, hot topics, whatever it is. So we kind of hit a whole bunch of stuff. But we were doing podcasts before Catholic podcast shows was like a thing. Mm. Because we love the medium of podcasts. Yeah. So we've been doing it. The average Catholic podcast lasts about six to eight episodes. Um, has 100 downloads a month. Uh, you know, and, and, and Peter's out after two months. Mm -hmm. So we've been going for nine years almost. Nice. Yeah, it's great. So catching foxes. Catching foxes. That's the, the first one. Uh-huh. Then the what second else, yeah. one is with is with uh see people don't realize how obsessed I am with my own voice. Uh 
with Ascension Press, so the people that do Bible in a Year, Catechism mm. in a Year. Yes. I've been doing this for four years now. It's called Every Knee Shall Bow, mm-hmm. and it is a weekly podcast on evan- Catholic evangelization and discipleship. So the original kind of uh, motive of uh, behind it was Catholics don't know how to share their faith share their testimony. If you go on a retreat, they might train you how to do it like an ax retreat where you share your testimony. Yes. yes. But it, the way that they teach it is very specific also to the needs of that retreat. And mm-hmm. so we teach people how to prepare, write, pray through, discern a testimony and how to scale it from 30 seconds to three minutes to 30 minutes. Mm. Right. So it's like, how do I give my testimony when I'm about to get on a plane and you're in line one and I'm in line two and you're walking yeah. away? Yeah. How do I give it if we can, you know, over a commercial break? Like we, we try to mm-hmm. think of ways to offer testimony. So we train people in that. We talk about spiritual warfare and evangelization, how to pray. I talk about fatherhood and discipleship. And uh, we talk about a lot of things that I feel like is missing from the conversation around evangelization in terms of how do you talk to a stranger? How do you talk to a, a family member at Thanksgiving about Jesus? Like, what do you do? How do you make sure you keep people people and not projects? All of that stuff. So right now what we're doing, we, we kind of divide it up into seasonal content. Uh-huh. And our season is on what we call Mystagogia, which is that fourth part of RCIA that no one ever attends in their local parish, right? So <laughs> there's these four parts. And the fourth part is after you come into the church, here's it's the living of the mysteries, mm. the sacramental worldview, an incarnational worldview. And that's what's missing. Most people don't go to the Mystagogia classes. So we decided, well, we'll offer it like a Mystagogia class. So we uh-huh. just we just recorded our, I think, our fourth episode, and it was on baptism. So we introed it, and then we went through baptism. So why is that a separate podcast from the Catching Foxes? So it's different just... person, different audience. So okay. my co-host is totally different, Dave Van Vickle up in Pittsburgh. He's amazing. Just to make it clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally separate, separate content, separate people. Um, okay. you know, people listen to Catching Foxes might listen to Every Knee Shall Bow. Uh-huh. People who listen to Every Knee Shall Bow don't always listen to Catching Foxes. Mm. So it's a, that's more of a, uh, a rough... Uh, audience every knee or catching foxes is okay a little more hardcore a little more in-depth would be every knee shall bow yeah then i have another podcast that is secret and i'm going to unveil it right now are you ready for this what is that so there was a podcast called the liturgy guys very popular in the catholic space okay one of the guys from the liturgy guys uh when that when the podcast ended decided about six months after it ended you know this was good for the church i think we should bring it back but it's not going to be in the same form. One of the guys is never going to be a part of it. Another of the guys, background dude, but he's got his own job, different thing. And so it's going to be on liturgy, but not like arguing over this and that. It's going to be what how I phrase it is the, the opening section. So section one of part two of the catechism, which is the big picture stuff that people don't understand. The spirituality of the liturgy, the biblical movement of the liturgy, the personal relationship with God in the liturgy, all of these things that I think in the liturgy wars between the Latin mass and this and that, and the games we play with the liturgy, Mm. this kind of paves a better way. So it's almost like a spirituality of the liturgy um, while being firmly rooted in what the church has always taught. And so uh, I'm doing that with Professor Chris Karstens. He's a baller. He's the head of liturgy for the Diocese of La Crosse. Um, You know, he's just an incredible guy. And it's such a, he's a living, breathing resource on liturgical life and what is this called uh it's called the becoming god podcast the becoming god podcast right a little wow. provocative yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a little provocative eh? yeah, yeah yeah so there's a teaching in the catholic church that gets lost it's called theosis in greek or divinization or deification god became man so that men might become god now that doesn't mean we become one with his essence it means mm-hmm. that grace is his life 
And so the goal of the Christian life is to participate in the life of God, to become partakers of the divine nature. And so that's our goal. And we, it has taken, we haven't even talked about liturgy yet. Uh-huh. So we just finished our um, third or fourth episode, our fourth episode this morning or this afternoon uh, before I came here. Uh-huh. Literally, I finished, I walked out, I shook my wife's hand, gave her a hug and said, I'm out. And then I came here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's on showing the liturgy uh, and immersing people into the the call that we are called to become God, to become completely one with God in Christ Jesus. Any anything else? That's yeah. Like there's one more. There's one more. There's one more. There's one more. <laughs> we 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 recorded the first two episodes. I still have to edit it, but it's oh going to be gosh. a philosophical co- uh, podcast. So okay. Purely philosophy, and that the approach of that is called um, a practiced life, and it comes from this notion that in order to live a good life, you have to develop within yourself these practices and it could be your job, your trade, um, your craft, um, whatever it might be. And it's the way you do those things lead to, or lead away from virtue. So the goal is how do we reflect on these major things in our life? I want to teach people how to be philosophical. When you go to philosophy class, really what you do is you get a a historical survey of philosophers. This is what Plato said. This is what Aristotle said. This is what so-and-so, you know, and you're just like, okay, when are we going to do philosophy? It's like, well, you're doing it by kind of interacting with their ideas. And it's like, okay, how do I think about my life today? So our whole, our first season is going to be on agency. What does it mean to be a human agent empowered with freedom to move and act in this world in an embodied way? It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I'm super excited about, I'm excited about all of them. So all all of these, yeah. there are links to those on your website? No, there will be when they become public, yes. But yeah, okay. there's the, the other podcasts, Catching Foxes and Every Niche Bow are on there. Yeah. Are on there. And then the other the other two are going to come up soon. They'll come, soon. yeah. Okay. So they can just search for that <laughs> yep. in, in you know, yeah. all the podcast apps as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're on all the podcast apps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Layevangelist.com. Good times. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. Wow. I mean. And I'm becoming a roofer. <laughs> What? <laughs> a roof? Well, roofing, you know. roofing, and solar. That's yeah. just in line with everything else that you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are this you is, serious? Yeah. Yeah. There's a roofing company based out of my, the church that I go to now, Presentation of the Lord. Okay. And uh, they're all, they're all devout Roman Catholics and they're trying to build on the principles of Catholic social justice. A, a in an in an industry that is largely dominated, I shouldn't say largely dominated, can be very dominated by scammers and hustlers mm. and people that just rob yeah. people blind. Yep, the roofing industry and the solar industry—it's it, a crazy wow, wow, west storm chasing all this shenanigans, especially in the Houston area uh-huh. where we have hail and hail damage. Yes, and wind from hurricanes sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and just people who need their roof replaced and they're terrified that it's twenty five thousand oh dollars and oh my gosh and all this stuff. No one ever prepares for that. But um, so I just offered to help part time with um, marketing, uh, some of the branding stuff, some of the background research and stuff like that. And then I had casually mentioned to a friend, like, I would like to help help you guys build up your solar side, too. Uh-huh. And then as I was getting out of the car coming here, he's like, if you want to do that, how available are you going to be in March? And I'm like, well. Well, okay. This could become a full-time job. So <laughs> it's funny because I view myself as St. Paul as a tent maker, uh-huh. right? So what did St. Paul do? He made tents so that he wouldn't burden any community with the cost of the gospel. And he was the one who said, you know, a, wor- a laborer is worth his wages. Like you, you owe me money for bringing you the gospel. It's kind of what he's saying. It's a little strong way to put it, but he's saying, but I never took it from you. I never burdened you with that. Well, I could have asked for you from you, but I never did. I never wanted to burden any of the churches because everyone knew he was such a controversial figure because, you know, 
he killed Christians. Uh, so he never went to burden anyone and they call them tent makers. And there's a lot of Protestant preachers who have that storefront, you know, church with 10 families that go and they have a full-time job. My uncle was a, one of these, um, yeah, my, was it my mom's brother? My mom's uh, brother-in-law was uh, a tent maker preacher, right? So he had a full-time job and he was a part-time minister. And I just think about in the Catholic context, a lot of rabbis, they're tent makers, right? They they always have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can't ask that of our priests because of the, the sacramental life that we live. But uh, I'm like, there's a certain credibility in the eyes of men when I, too, am in the working world and I'm doing this. Um, I've just found that working a church job sometimes creates a barrier. And if I'm like, yeah, I'm in sales. And marketing and advertising, and I'm a and I work with pe- men building roofs and stuff like that. That that lends a, a sense of credibility that I otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah, because you're out there. Yeah. As well, yeah. I'm trying to leverage everything for the gospel, man. That's what it means to evangelize, right? Wow. Yeah. How do you have time for your family? With uh, everything I mean, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it helps that they they homeschool. It helps a lot that they homeschool. And the only reason why I booked all this stuff today is because we have a thing called Campion Hall, which is like a, a an a la carte elective program at our church. And my kids, we have a la carted them the whole cart. So they are, they'd go from nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the evening. And they do all these different things. It ends with like a CrossFit class. So. So Mike, does your, yeah. your family still go to St. Anthony of Padua? No, we go to presentation. So I am an ordinariate man now. I um, I became a member of the ordinariate of the chair of St. Peter. Mm. And I am, uh, we formally joined presentation of the Lord back in March. So, okay. yeah, yeah. That's it's, cool. it's been a weird transition. Like, it's not like I hate St. Anthony or something like that. People are always like, ooh. And it's like, no, this is better <laughs> for my family. Because when you're, when you're at a church of 7,000 people, 7,000 families, and then you go to the church, with 200 or 150 families, it's a fundamentally different dynamic. Mm-hmm. And for some people that dynamic works and for some people that dynamic doesn't. And for a long time, big church made sense for me and my family. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously St. Faustina's is going to be mega, 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 mega. Uh-huh. And one of the big problems is, um, what we were seeing with our family is uh, my kids just felt lost in the shuffle. Big church enables you to find, it's like going from high school to college. Like you can find your niche. Yes. But if you can't find your niche, you feel ever even more alone. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's like, you never feel more alone than when you're in a crowd and no one's talking to you and they're all talking to you. It's like, everyone loves each other and no one loves me. Right. But there we found, uh, it just, it lined up liturgically. It lined up. They're much more traditional liturgically. And that is me. I am, I am very big. I'm more traditional liturgy. Um, but also, and it's their own thing. It's the English. Do you know anything about the ordinary? Yes. It's a little wacky. A lot yeah. of people don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, we've, uh, we had, uh, uh, father Chuck Huff, the, oh, the third, nice. uh, third, I think it was the third, uh, the older of the retired yeah. one. We had him on and he told us all about it. Yeah. And then okay. we were also at, um, uh, Cathedral High School. We interviewed the, the president. There. Oh, okay. Yes. Good deal. Yeah, Which no. was where I was today interviewing him. <laughs> so, yeah. We're all just interviewing the same people. It's a beautiful train <laughs> round and round we go. Yeah. So I joined the ordinariate. I joined, we formally joined the ordinariate. So we're, we're under Bishop Lopes. Um, and I joined, we joined the presentation of the Lord and we've been, so this is the funniest thing. I, I swore I would never do this. And as of yesterday at nine o'clock in the morning, I now am a youth minister again, a volunteer (laughs) 
me and three guys, me and two Again. other guys. Yes. I've did youth ministry my whole life. And now at our little parish, the previous youth ministry, a wonderful couple, they decided that they were going to step back from it. Uh-huh. And it's been a couple months without things. And I already teach a CCD class for the high school students. And it kind of was the de facto youth group. And kids would come to the class voluntarily to listen to me talk for an hour. Uh-huh. That's weird. So a buddy of mine called us over, me and another family, uh, another father called us over for dinner one day and we went over and he's like, here's the plan. Let's revive youth ministry. Let the three of us do it. We can divvy it up because we all travel. We all work. We all have different things. But in this, he's like, what do you think about it? Let me propose it to father and father accepted. So (laughs) we call it the triumvirate, the three, the rule of three, three men. And you're back in it. So that video that you said applies again. Oh, what did I say in that one <laughs> that the, the, I'm never going to go no, back to youth you, ministry? No, that you said that the, why why Mike Gormley will never leave youth ministry. You said that popped up and yeah. you're back. So now yeah. now you're like... It's um, like the Godfather part now, three. I was thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> Gosh. It really, like literally that scene is running through my head and I'm like, Pacino, you get it. You get me, Pacino. <laughs> I just got to go to confession to the Pope. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, You're back is, in it. I'm back in it, man. That was one of the last things I th- was expecting you to say. I know. When Not even roofing. <laughs> it was youth ministry. <laughs> <laughs> well, roofing is up there. Yeah. yeah. Roofing yeah. and youth ministry. And then I, I also understand you, you, you've got like prison ministry stuff going oh, on gosh. too. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. So <laughs> is this because you're in line with all the rappers and yeah. everything in SoundCloud? <laughs> yeah, is that what? So the, okay. So two funny things. So Axe. <laughs> has, uh, there was a thing called Axe in Prison, then it became the Colby Prison Retreat Ministry. Okay. Because I had to deviate too much from the Axe model, just made sense to kind of differentiate uh-huh. them. And they're based out of the San Antonio area where Axe was started. So, yes. um, so a lot of men who do Axe, uh, maybe they do the retreats three, four, five times. You know, they go on the retreat, then they help run the retreat. And then they're looking for something new to kind of engage them. Colby Prison Retreat Ministries is the coolest thing on the face of the earth. Have you ever done prison ministry? No. Okay, so my first in- introduction to prison ministry was maximum security Texas state <laughs> prison for violent, for largely for violent offenders. Oh boy. Yes. Yeah. Gangland stuff. People who are gang affiliated now. And I can tell you this, um, number one, nothing, no ministry on the face of the earth that I have done. And I've, I think I've demonstrated, I've done a lot uh, yes. has changed me more for the better than prison ministry. Really? No, no, nothing has shocked me more, opened my eyes more radically punched me in the spiritual gut of where I've gone wrong in ministry more, the assumption, I mean, just a total 180 in so many things. Also, um, you realize that most men in prison who are violent offenders, they had, they had no freaking chance. Their dads beat them, oh, raped them, yeah. hurt them, abandoned them. All the male figures yeah. in their life that should have been there for them weren't. And their mother, and then the, the kids became these like angry balls of terror. And their mothers, so many of them would tell me that their mothers are the ones who introduced them to drugs and alcohol just to calm them down. So then they found a gang. They found brothers when they didn't have fathers. And so um, for so many of these men to go to them, you're like every human being that was in that circumstance would would do, make the same choices that they yeah do. yeah as a teacher i've seen kids like that like oh man this kid's gonna fall prey to something like yeah. that and no matter how you try yeah you, you get that feeling that later on in life that's what's gonna happen yeah they, like you said they didn't have a chance yeah and, and nothing owns my heart more than the prison ministry but the the kind of like uh is i'm i'm so sad because i can never get it to work in my schedule Cause so I, I was going to try to go. Jeff Cavins is coming down. My buddy, Jerry, he's, he's such an awesome guy. 
my buddy, uh, he, he gets everything set up. We're going to do ministry to a group of people that have never had ministry done for them, which is, in terms of retreats, which is the G5s, which is the segregated unit, administrative segregation, also known as solitary confinement guys. Ooh. These are guys who spent decades in nice. a like a 10-foot by 8-foot cell. They only go out for like 15 minutes to an hour and a half. Wow. Um, these are people who have, who, who, yeah, most of them are psychologically, you know, major issues. But, yeah. Um, just the world, the, when you go and meet inmates and actually put aside the label and hear their stories, uh-huh. regardless of what they've done in the past, you can meet the human person, right? And in Texas, we're like, ah, forget those people, right? They, they did the crime. They can do the time. Uh-huh. But what you find out is like, once you, once you hear the 30th story of my mom's boyfriends used to beat the hell out of me. And you, it just like makes your blood curl and makes you like, you see the, like, this sounds so dumb. Here's a man who has committed heinous acts of violence. And you see that he's a child. You see the six-year-old boy in him and you're like, I get it. And it breaks your heart. You know, there's a, there's a poem. I'm a, I'm a dramatic human being, but there's a poem about St. Michael uh, by James Russell Lowell. And he talks about taking the things that we love and putting them gently in one side of the scale, science and gold and the power of Caesar and all this stuff. And then the things humanity dis- disregards to put the throws it casually into the other scale. And it says, um, in the other scale, he threw things, regardless outcast few martyr ash arena sand of St. Francis's quarter strand. And then this is my favorite part disillusions and despairs of young saints with grief grade hairs and broken hearts that break for man. And when I think about that, I think about the guys in the prison who like, once you hear their story, your heart breaks for the child that they could have been become for the man they could have become. And then you want to work so that that image can actually happen. Mm. So what I'm trying to do is write an apologetics book for the men in prison we filmed some videos back at St. Anthony's. My homeboy, Jay Martin, has slogged through these videos, mm-hmm. trying to get them up to be an introductory course for men to get apologetics, Catholic scriptural apologetics. The writing of the book coincides with the videos, but um, I can tell you, I have learned a lot more about my Catholic faith in trying to speak these truths more powerfully and more simply um, than, than my years of catechetics and stuff at, at a graduate level. What's it like walking into a, you know the prison? It's paint me a picture. Are you behind like a glass? Do you talk to them on a telephone? Nope, is nope. it a metal table? What what is it? Yeah. So this is how it works at the Ferguson, right? Okay. So I show up at five oh five a.m. We're all outside. Uh, we can start going through security a little bit before six, but principally at six. The retreat is six a.m. to six p.m. We show up. As soon as I get there, Jerry hands me this giant card, and it's a deliverance prayer from the power of Satan. And I go, oh, wow, what's this? And he goes, well, we found out that the satanic cult was cursing us all week when they found out we were coming. Oh, wow. So, And I just remember looking at that going, oh, 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 oh do not tell my wife. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we pray the prayer. We go in, and I'm staring at a sign. It's after multiple layers of security. They have to close the gate behind you before they open the gate in front of you, and it's the last gate before you're in general population. We call it general pop, no big deal. And uh, <laughs> and right above that last gate, there's a big red sign and it says, warning, no hostages will be permitted past this point. Thank you. 
Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Oh, boy. And I remember it was 530 in the morning. I hadn't had coffee yet. And I'm staring at that sign. I'm like, what does that mean? Why would someone take a hostage outside in the parking lot and drag him into the prison? And then I realized as I'm walking <laughs> through it, oh, I am voluntarily doing this. <laughs> yeah. If there should be, oh, I don't know, a hostage situation, a prison riot, and they go after the slow, fat, chubby homeschooler <laughs> guy who can't run very fast and makes an excellent human shield, by the way, uh, they're they're not going to trade me for 12 pizzas and uh, a helicopter like yeah. they do in the movies. Yeah. You voluntarily came here. Do you know what the, the, the rules are to get out of a hostage situation in a prison? No. This is the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. These are the rules. Number one, do everything they tell you. Okay. Number two, do not make eye contact. Okay. Number three, if you can, try to go to sleep. <laughs> try to sleep? Try to go to sleep. Because usually they take 24 to 48 hours. Okay. And usually the person doing it is out of their mind because they're hyped up on some sort of illegal narcotic that somehow they got smuggled in. Okay. And usually they crash and fall asleep. And that's how these things resolve themselves. So if you fall asleep, by the time you wake up, the whole thing's going to be whole, over. You can wake up and be like, what, is it noon already? And then the, you know, they're okay. gassing in the room. And then and what's, what's the other... So it's, it's, it's don't make eye contact okay. and do everything they tell you and then go to sleep. Just those three things. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, they have other things, but those are the only ones I remember. Okay. And I remember telling this to my wife and she's like, what? And I go, yeah, because like literally like these guys just tire themselves out. And she's like, that is so crazy. I don't, how could anyone ever sleep? And then she looked at me and she's like, oh wait, that's your superpower. I was like, I'm a dad. I can fall asleep <laughs> anywhere. This is a hostage negotiate. Okay. That's fine. Let me just take a nap Give here. Me, yeah. <laughs> I just need a corner in a moment. Well, that's true because like the, you know, the, whoever the cops are, the negotiators, they can take shifts, but yep. there's only one hostage taker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So doing prison ministry, we, we go into the chapel of the prodigal son, which was funded by, um, I believe it was a local Baptist church built it. It's an air conditioned building. It's the only air conditioned thing outside of the administrative wings. So none of the, the most of the cell blocks are not air conditioned. Texas prison okay. in the summer. Yeah. Oh, wow. So men will come just to get in the air conditioning. Oh, and we're totally cool with that. You know? Okay, <laughs> we have. A, However, they come in the door. Yeah, yeah. You know, we do have a captive audience. Yeah, you get captive. Okay, that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But, um, and we're just sitting at round tables like you would on any retreat. In fact, the the moment that after the red sign, the moment that I realized I was shocked by how unshocking everything was, uh -huh. was I looked around. I was a small group leader and just looked around at all the tables. And you see guys dominating the conversation. You know, that one guy at every table yeah, has to yeah. dominate it. You see guys like half listening. You see guys yeah. who are, oh, yeah, you know, waiting to respond. You see you see what you see at every retreat. And I was like, oh, turns out they're human beings, <laughs> right? And and so retreat was just the only difference is we're in our little T-shirt, you know, our, our red-colored shirts, and they're all wearing white. Are they, you know, do they have, like, um, chains and stuff on them? No. or Nope, nope, nope. My mom asked me one time, she goes, when you do these prison things, how many guards are in there? And I go, one. And she usually sits in the back and she goes, so, one? So she? somebody could lunge across the <laughs> yep. table. and Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> that, okay, while that is a possibility, it probably won't happen for a couple of reasons. They don't allow people to go on, to even apply to go to, on these retreats if they, if they suspect that that's the type of behavior they'll see. Okay. So in prisons, they have G1s, which are like the most, um, they have the most privileges, the most freedom. They don't okay. have any, I remember I was talking to a guy and I said, I go, what are active cases? He's like, well, to come on a retreat, you can't have active cases in like the last 18 months. I go, what's an active case? He goes, well, you know, breaking the rules here in a significant way that it's like, uh, the court within the court or the rules within the rules, the law okay. within the law. 
I go like, what what would break an act bring an active case? He goes, you know, like if you, someone stabbed someone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so you haven't stabbed anyone in eighteen months? And he's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> and these are also these inmates. Like they, they, this is their life, and so. They know how to play the game. They know how to like, yeah, okay, I'm done with this. Especially a lot of the older guys are like, I'm not going to do this crap anymore. This is the next 20 years of my life. I'm not going to get caught up in something that might get me severely injured, might disable me for the rest of my life. Mm. If I get hit with a pipe or something like, cause I'm smarting off to someone, you know, that's going to get 10 more years out of my sentence. Cause I attacked a volunteer. Most of these guys would never do that. Then we had G threes. And okay. the G threes, right? Those are the guys who uh, I, I remember one everyone retreat. You're just everything felt different from the beginning. It felt a little edgier. Okay. And then the guys sharing the, some of them were dropping some cuss words, and usually they don't they don't do any of that. Okay. And then the 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 chaplain came in and he overheard and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Cut this off now, or this whole retreat is over." And we were like, oh, "Okay, like we we didn't understand really what was happening." And then we found out. These are the eligible G3. So it goes G1, G2s. We've always had G1s and 2s. Uh-huh. We've gone through almost the entire population of G1s and 2s going to our retreat. Okay. G3s are the next level of security. G4 and 5 are administrative segregation. G4s, they have a cellmate. G5s, they're solitary. Okay. So that's the level. Okay. And so G3s, you're like, ah, okay. They're on the bubble. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. They can, they, it can be, uh, it's a little bit more dangerous. But I never once felt, never once, you know, I hear a guy who talking about with fondness about a, you know, back when he was out in the world, a drive-by shooting, like, oh, I remember that. That was his first time that I met him. And now he's in here with me. And you're like, huh. <laughs> so these experiences have taught me that, um, like prison is a reality, but prison is very institutional. And we've, um, We've built these structures of pipelines into prisons. And, you know, I, I'm a kind of guy like I want people to be punished, not just rehabilitated. Like you did a crime, you did an awful thing. But what I found is we don't really care about these people at all. And it's to a dangerous extent. And I really do believe what we say, what we do to the most defenseless people in our society says more about us than it does about them. So what we do to the elderly, what we do to the unborn, what we do to inmates what we do to the chronically ill, yeah. right? This says what we do to, to, to women, yeah. right? Like this says something about our society yes. systematically. Yeah. And so while I don't think every inmate should have like a Manny Petty and have cable TV, like, I don't think like, I'm not Mr. Indulgent, but uh-huh. what you realize is, and, and, and part of it is just because there's not enough money to, to fund the amount of guards that they need. Uh, that like, it's, it's crazy, but like, and when you don't have enough guards, it becomes dangerous for the current guards and it becomes yeah. more dangerous for the inmates. Yeah. And so you just see the cycle and you're like, Oh Lord, what, what can change this? And, and I don't know the answer. I don't have any answers except the love of Jesus Christ and, uh, and programs that change lives like Colby. Yeah. You've got so much going on, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, don't sleep. Okay, let, let's recap. Okay, <laughs> so you've got that man is you, mm-hmm. my part time, full time. Yeah. yeah, and then you're speaking, the traveling, speaking. Okay, yeah. and then uh, what else did we cover? The um, four podcasts, the podcasts, and they're also the SoundCloud and the, the SoundCloud, SoundCloud stuff. Yeah, four podcasts. And then roofing, Petrus roofing and solar. <laughs> you're <laughs> home. You're Houston hometown roofers and solar people. And then. Uh, 
And then the prison ministry. Prison ministry. Did I miss well, anything? Well, the, I, right now, all I can offer as of yesterday is just writing this book. So everyone listening to this, pray for me that we get the book and the videos done now. It's really the book now and okay. uh, getting that in people's hands. Yeah. And then the, okay, the prison ministry, you've got the book yeah. and the videos. Yeah. And then also you're back in youth ministry. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I teach, I teach high school every week. Me and my buddy, we team teach. So it's like every other week. And then, uh, doing wow. youth ministry. You're like the Kevin Hart of the Catholic world. <laughs> you do everything. <laughs> if, yeah. Yeah. I am. People have called me often the Kevin Hart of Roman Catholicism. <laughs> Are you going for the EGOT in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. I want my Emmy, my Grammy, wow. my Oscar. What's the other one? Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Golden Tony. Globe? Tony. Tony. Yes. I have no singing voice. None of that moment. <laughs> well, we wish you the best with everything you've got going. God bless you, brother. Yeah. You know, one day I wow. wonder if I can just, you know, every little boy dreams of just being a roofer. So maybe that'll be, <laughs> just be, be a salesman. And one day I'll come here and then I will die. And then you will, you will have a story here called the death of a salesman. Right. And that'll be it. That'll be the end of me. The death of a roofer. Yeah. <laughs> he fell. And oh, what a fall. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much for coming out, braving the traffic and, and, you know, you know, no traffic, all construction. Oh, well, braving the construction. <laughs> it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah. This, this area is booming. It is. It is kind of shocking. Yeah. yeah it, it's crazy how you see this building here. Yeah. Sunday masses overflow room. So wow. they fill up the church and then here as well. Wow. It's crazy because, um, when it gets time for communion, yeah. the, um, the Eucharistic minister brings Jesus, hops into a car. Somebody's waiting with a car. He's sitting in the car without a seatbelt, drives all the way over here, comes out, and then <laughs> distributes communion. Yep. Wow. Wow. It's yeah, just, we need it's, more vocations. We need yes. more churches. Yeah, up with and, the churches. And people are dying for the big uh, building to, you know, to yeah. finally go up. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're going to, because we've, we've had you here before for, um, for Zion. Yep. So I'm sure you're going to be around as well. Nice. I'd love that. I'd love yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see you more. And then, you know, I'm with, you're going all over the place with that man is you and everything. So yeah. fantastic. Once again, lay evangelist. Oh gosh, let's do it. Layevangelist.com. Yes. Yeah. Or you go to Paradisus Dei, which is Latin. So that throws people off. Just Google that man is you. <laughs> Um, that man is you. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, soundcloud.com slash AMD Gomer. Yeah. Gomer. Gomer. Okay. Gomer. Yeah. And then, uh, all the podcasts, uh, where podcasts are downloaded. So catching foxes, every knee shall bow and, uh, and the rest will come out soon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. It's not the new evangelization unless we're making money off the new okay, evangelization. Okay, so the next time you come on, you're going to add more to that? or No, hopefully gonna... <laughs> the goal is to take away. The, okay. the good Lord, he giveth and taketh away. Please taketh away. <laughs> we shall see. Yes. We shall see. Yeah. God bless, brother. All right, thanks.